Welcome to the Game 7 Show! It is Tuesday, December, December. Wow, that was... That, that was, was really bad. That was a bad pronouncing. Diciembre. Diciembre. No. Oh, no. Diciembre? Is that what it is? Diciembre. Diciembre. We need to get Google Translate in here. It's Game 7. It's episode 46. How do you say 46 in Spanish? I couldn't tell you. Oh, dang. But I can tell you this show is hosted by Met Radio, the student voice of MSU Denver. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Hit us up with questions for all of our podcasts. As always, you want us to talk about something specific, let us know. You can email us, game7show at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Game7Show, YouTube, Game7Show. You can follow us on Twitter, at underscore Game7. You can follow Will, at Will underscore Sattler. And you can follow myself, at Isaac underscore Bugarin. You okay, bro? You sound depressed. There's no inflection in your voice today. No, in what? Inflection? Inflection. No. You're just Game 7 Show, at Will underscore Sattler, at Isaac underscore Bugarin. Just very monotone? Yeah, man. That's inflection. Huh. Well, you can find this show on Tuesdays. There it is. (laughs) We currently bring you a new podcast every week on Tuesdays. Uh, Coming up in January, we'll be bringing new podcasts on Fridays. You got to do your warm-ups, the the yawns. I got to get my yawns in. Um, Podcast on Friday. Go on. Yeah, we'll we'll be doing podcasts on Fridays. I think that starts in January. Um, So we're going to give you a little month's heads up. Um, we do have a couple plans to record a couple other podcasts um, on weekends and, and, and weekdays uh, in December, just to try to get a couple more podcasts, get a, get some more content out before um, Christmas break and 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 what is it? It's not Christmas break anymore because now we have to be like politically correct at a university. So now it's what winter break because not everybody celebrates Christmas, so it's like winter break instead of Christmas break. I mean that's a gr- great idea. There are lots of other holidays you know it's a holiday break if it was just christmas break you would go back on the 26th right no you probably just take the rest of the week off that's not how it works that's how it works for like thanksgiving you go on thanksgiving break and you go back at the end or at the beginning of the next week because you're not coming back on a friday i mean if you want to it's always on a thursday but this year i think christmas is on a tuesday is it pretty sure you do the math I'm just going to look at the calendar, man. It's on a Wednesday. See? But a lot of households like mine celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve, and then we just sleep all day on Christmas. Impressive. So basically, Christmas is on a Tuesday this year. I think that's basically. That's the cool thing about Christmas is there's so many different ways that you can do Christmas. Or it's the cool thing about the holiday. Like, there's so many different things. Because what day does, um, is it Kwanzaa? Or no, no, no. What what day? Kwanzaa is a holiday. Yeah, but what day does... Kwanzaa start. I'm not sure. Huh. I don't know. We need to get educated. I'm pretty sure it already started, to be honest with you. Really? Oh, I couldn't have told you that. Well, yeah. What but can you tell me? I can tell you what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about today in sports history, uh, and we're going to talk about the Broncos and Drew Locke. Is Drew Locke the answer? Was the play calling too conservative? Did Brandon McManus show up Vic Fangio? What's going on between Vic Fangio and Scandrillo? What's going on with Scandrello? <laughs> Scandrello? Scandalello. I don't know, but I think there was a lot of, of I don't want to say miscommunication, but a lot of, of head-scratching play calls. And and um, what, what I don't necessarily want to call it um, bad play calling, 
um, but I'll call it conservative play calling. And especially if you if you if you hear what Vic Fangio said at the end of the game in regards to the offense and and what happened on that final play, final offensive play from um, from Drew Locke, I think that there's some miscommunication there, or I, I guess personalities that are coming out. Interesting. That's just what I think. I wasn't there in the moment, but that's what I can tell you. Why not? Because I was at home watching the game I'm like on my couch. I wasn't lazy on the field. Lazy. You got to tell us today in history, man. Today in history. Actually, so before I get into this, there hasn't been a lot of stuff that happened on this day, like in Excuses. recent history. That sounds like lazy reporting. Oh, my gosh. But if you want to go back to more than a century ago, 1901, at the Major League Baseball meetings, the Milwaukee Brewers franchise was officially dropped from the American League and replaced Canceled. by the... Canceled the Brewers. And replaced by the St. Louis Browns. The St. Louis Browns baseball. Canceled. Do you know those St. Louis Cardinals jerseys that they wear? Um, and they're brown. It's literally the St. Louis Browns. It's not the St. Louis Cardinals. It's the St. Louis Browns, but they wear it. That's pretty neat. It's like, what, every other year I think that they wear them? Or maybe they, would, they do wear them like every year for like one game or something. They got like a throwback series against the Cubs where they wear those. And the Cubs wear some classic all-white The Cubs uniform. were a dynasty back then in 1901. It was the last time they were good. Wow. This decade they were good, but... And in 1933, as part of a famous Major League Baseball fire sale, the Philadelphia A's owner, Connie Mack, that name sounds familiar, sells catcher Mickey Cochrane to the... Cochrane. De- There's no aim. <laughs> Cochrane. 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 It's spelled C-O-C-H-R-A-N-E, Cochrane, to Detroit for $100,000. That's a lot of money in 1933. And then... Um, Cochran was immediately named the Detroit Tigers manager. Even though he was a catcher, he was named the manager of the D- of the Detroit Tigers. Kind of crazy. Uh, you know Connie Mack? I do know Connie Mack. I met him once. Really? No. Oh. I was going to say, I don't think he did. I think he was dead before you were alive. <laughs> He's got his own baseball leagues, wood bat leagues all across the United States. Um, 1944, it was a temporary merger of two NFL teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Chicago Cardinals. Um, the dissolve finished at the end of the season. World War II would end up starting before the 1945 season. So both teams were able to resume to normal operations instead of um, merging. That's Pittsburgh neat. Steelers, Chicago Cardinals. Wow, actually, that's kind of crazy to think the Chicago. It wasn't the Chicago Bears until what, 1950 something? Are you talking about World War II? No, no, no. When the Chicago Cardinals became the Chicago Bears. It's got to be in the 50s. But they, so in 1944, before the World War II, those two teams merged. So there was. They were going to merge. Well, they were mer- They were in the process of merging. And but then World War II all... happened. So, yeah, so then World War II happened. And then uh, that was when there was basically no NFL. There was no sports during World War II because everybody was serving. And then World War II ends, 1945. They all come back and resume operations. Do you think if there was a World War Three and there was a draft, do you think that happened again? I feel like there's, where there's players too, get drafted. There's too much money in sports; it would ruin the economy. I feel like. I mean, I, I think it's different if if you get drafted or if you enlist. Like, I mean, you want to look at like Patrick Tillman. Mm-hmm. 
plays for the Arizona Cardinals and then he goes to serve his country in Iraq right? or Afghanistan, excuse me. Um, you know, I think I think it's different if, if you decide, hey, I want to leave the NFL or I want to leave Major League Baseball to go serve as opposed to the draft being held. You're a 21-year-old phenom and you get drafted, you know. That makes sense. But at the end of the day, like, that's – isn't that why we have, like, government to kind of keep us in order? The government is just to create conspiracy theories. That's the whole point of government. That is true. I wouldn't lie. There's a, there's, there's a dungeon underneath the DIA, and that's why, like, all the – oh, my gosh. I keep hitting my head on this mic, dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's why there's – that's why there's a, a, that big basement in the airport – to keep everybody safe have you ever been there i have really hmm? i have been to dia <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been that, to dia that's that my next question you answered it. <laughs> um the cleveland browns have probably been to dia the the they probably have 1950 the cleveland browns were the last nfl team with a no pass game and they would go on to beat philadelphia 13 to 7 crazy to think they went an entire game without passing the ball Philadelphia knew what was coming every single play. Hey, they're going to run the ball. They could either run it three ways. You could run it to the left, you can run it to the right, or you can run it up the middle. And they still couldn't stop it all the time. There's still a lot of college football programs that be doing that. The Baltimore Ravens are doing that. Not, no, no, like <laughs> running the ball every single play. Yeah. Lamar Jackson can still put the ball in the air, and he's damn good at it. The joke went over your head. Oh. He's a running back. 1956, basketball icon Wilt Chamberlain makes his anticipated varsity debut um, with Kansas, scores 52 points, grabs 31 rebounds, breaking both of those all-time records for Kansas University in an 87-69 win against Northwestern. Imagine that, 52 points and 31 boards in a game. Isn't that crazy? He must have really been tearing up JV. He must have been, I guess. They got to call him up. To call him up to varsity? He's Wilt Chamberlain. 1956, he was probably 55 years old at that time. So, <laughs> this guy. Get a load of this guy. But that's that about does it for today in sports history. Just 1901 to 1956, you got the Milwaukee Brewers being dropped from the American League. Connie Mack um, selling Mikey, Co- Mikey Cochran to the Detroit Tigers for $100,000. Merger between the Steelers and Chicago Cardinals. And the Cleveland Browns with the last NFL team to be the, with a no-pass game and win. And then Will Chamberlain dropping 52. Very interesting. On this day. In history. So, proposition here for the listeners. Okay. For the final episode of season three, we want you to send us your favorite moments in this decade. History, sports related. So from 2010 all the way to 2019. We want to hear your favorite sports history. I'm tired of hearing whatever Isaac has to say about today in sports history. Don't care about the Cleveland Browns. You want to talk about the last decade? There's so much stuff that has happened in this last decade. But your favorite sports moment in the last decade. You could go with um, Dirk Nowitzki knocking off the big three in, in their first NBA Finals appearance together. That was, what, 2012? It was. 2010 um, was the decision. Oh, so then it would have been two thousand, the summer of two thousand eleven. Then, I think next year, summer of two thousand twelve. Because oh, that's no, right. he, it, yeah, he, summer of two thousand twelve. Yeah, because the next season would have went from twenty ten fall into twenty eleven summer. Yeah, and they got knocked off. 
I, I'm I I lost you there. But I mean, you you talk about Dirk Nowitzki beating the the big three. You really think that's the biggest basketball moment that's happened in the last decade? I mean, LeBron brought a a championship to, to Cleveland, Cleveland in 016. But that was the Warriors dynasty unanimous th- that MVP. Was, that was the beginning of which, what was supposed to be the greatest team. It was of, the greatest statistical team. 73 and 9. It hasn't happened in no, over no, no, a decade. No, in that Dirk Nowitzki, that Dallas Mavericks against Miami, it was the first time, you know, we the first time since the Boston Celtics formed their big three with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett. It's the first time since then that the NBA had seen three superstars say hey i'm we're we're all going to sign in this place for free agency not the boston celtics saying hey we're going to trade for for ray allen and we're going to trade for kevin garnett it's them saying all three superstars saying hey guys this summer we're going to plan our big move to miami we're going to take all of our talents and go to the south beach and that, that was supposed to be at that time it was supposed to be the greatest team ever assembled if you had to say what was the greatest team assembled through all the major sports through the 2010s I think you have to look at that seventy-three and nine Golden State Warriors basketball team. Oh gosh, but then then if you want to fast forward to the next year, you got Kevin Durant on that same team. That I'm the, talking all, all the, four major sports. I know. Golden State only won three titles. Only won three titles. Nick Saban and Tom Brady both have four in this decade. But that that's not I don't know if you could really consider Alabama and, and New England because Alabama has has is constantly changing players. You know, well, that's even more. That's telling. a call. That's a that's a program that's just bringing in the best of the talent across the United They've States. They've overcome the changes, the format. This will be the first year in the decade that they haven't made the college football playoff. The college football playoff hasn't been around the entire decade, though, for ten years. But my point still stands. The flip it over to the baseball side. San Francisco, the San Giants Francisco have won, had, had some great. They've teams. won three titles. Yeah. So, Gosh, that's kind of crazy to think. It's been we're in that decade still. We are with the Giants being Only so successful, and now look at them. The almost at the bottom of twenty-eight more days. The National League West. And then you'll never be able to say that. I mean, what what other teams are really good? The Houston Astros twenty seventeen team was really good. Sports Illustrated called that in like two thousand thirteen. Sports Illustrated called them the 2017 World, World Series champs, and they were right. Did you hear that? Knock on wood. No, there's someone banging on a trash can over there. <laughs> 2017 Astros asterisk. With an asterisk next to their name in, in the record books. Um, that was a really good team, too. What other teams were really Well, they good? were good because they knew what was coming. I, mean, I guess so. I mean, I, I guess if, if you know what pitch is coming, it's easier to hit it. That is a good take right there. That's okay. <laughs> that was your best take. You can tell you're really a coach because you know your takes. Um, let's see. My middle school basketball team when uh, I was in eighth grade okay. was a really good team. Stuck in middle school. That was probably that was probably the greatest team to ever walk through that middle school. Does that count? But we want to hear your um, greatest teams of the decade, so let us know. Email us, game7show.gmail.com, or you can tweet us. We'll be tweeting stuff out and, and try to prompt your answers, but... Huh. I guess it's, it's, I'm actually very intrigued to hear what people's best teams actually are. Well, and if you just stick to Denver, there's only really a couple moments that you have to point out. I mean, the Super Bowl 51 and 26. 2016 is the Super best Bowl year. 50. It was 2015. 20, Super Bowl 50. Right. Well, was 2016 year. was the best year in like all of sports. I mean, Cleveland wins. Chicago wins their first title since 1908. Yeah. Um, 
the Rockies make the wild card is that the next year? I think that's the next year. But yeah, that would go on. That would be the next year. Best year in music history. Twenty sixteen. Absolutely. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go far to say is twenty sixteen is the best year. You could probably flip or flop whether you think the presidential election of twenty sixteen was a good good point in history. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a change in history. You want to talk about some of the worst moments in 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 the last decade, at least in sports? Uh, in Denver, I know we kind of talked about this off off the podcast, but Carmelo Anthony being traded, Troy to a whiskey being traded, that all happened this decade. Those are two of the some some two of the worst moments in in Denver sports history this um decade. The Denver Broncos getting blown out in Super Bowl 48 by the Seattle Seahawks. That was a horrible moment in Denver sports history of the last decade. You could even say this last year with the Rockies collapse in the second half. That was that was horrible. It, it was just the collapse all year. They didn't even start off with a good year. Well, they were in first place for a little bit in this April year? and May, yeah. No. Yeah. Well, not in first place, but they were in the wild card hunt. It wasn't totally a scratch of a year. There was a period in time where they were contenders. But the way that they just absolutely fell off to the bottom of the barrel... Well, you know when it happened was it was in May when we play, played against the Padres. The Padres came to town. We had a four-game series, and I think we played like what, um, thirty-six or thirty-seven innings in those four games. This is true. This is true. Oh no, no, no! It ended up being like forty-five or forty-six innings because we had like two games go to extra innings. Um, we used our, our, I think our starting pitching only lasted like what ten innings over those forty-something innings. Our, our bullpen was absolutely destroyed. And we never recovered from that series. Would you even say, I know you said the 48 defeat, Super Bowl 48, but what about the uh, Pac-12 championship defeat and the Alamo oh, Bowl defeat? That was that was horrible, too, for CU. Or the year that CSU defeats CU in the showdown, the one year of the decade. I was going to say, that was what, 2010, 2011? It had to That be. was at the very beginning of the decade, right? It had to be. Because it was before hashtag fire Bobo. Yeah, that's right. It's been five years, 2015, so it would have been 2014. Huh, okay. Yeah. Um, some other really bad moments. Again, Carmelo Anthony being traded, Troy Tulowitzki being traded. Which one was the worst trade, though? What do you think? Between what? The Carmelo Anthony trade and the Troy Tulowitzki trade. Like, which one ended up being worse? I mean, you want to look at that Troy Tulowitzki trade. It's not even a, it's not even a question. Troy to, the Troy Tulowitzki trade. Because w- what they got back has not one bit helped them towards their playoff push. Whereas if you look at Carmelo Anthony trade, they got back players that led them to the playoffs for another three or four years, if I'm not mistaken. You got Wilson Chandler. Was Wilson Chandler was, was competitive a, in Denver. Um, Raymond Felton, uh, probably good a league year, average, pl- yeah, league average player. Um, Timothy Mozgov, who Mozgov, Mozgov, <laughs> dude's a stud. He got paid. Um, yeah, I don't know what the heck happened. Magic Johnson paid the dude, and the dude disappeared. Um, but he, even he wasn't that good. And then you got Danilo Gallinari, and you got a twenty first team, twenty fourteen first round pick. Who was the fir- first round pick? We ended up we actually ended up trading that pick, I believe, to um, the Chicago Bulls, and they ended up drafting Danico, um, something Danico. Well, why did they trade the pick for? Just for fun? Uh no, we moved. I think we moved back in the draft. 
And then who did they draft? It would have been that would have been Nikola Jokic, I think, 2014. No way. Yeah, the 2014 draft. That's when we drafted Nikola Jokic. But, but you're I, telling me the trade of Carmelo Anthony led to Nikola Jokic, and you're debating whether Tulo or Nikola Jokic? Know, I don't know if it actually led to Nikola Jokic, but I know that it was the same draft. We had to move back in the draft in 2014. Well, you know what? You know what? The way that Melo is tearing it up right now, they might need to trade for him again. What do you think about that? Nikola trade back for Carmelo Anthony. So the, the Nuggets also got the Warriors 2012 second round pick, the Warriors 2013 second round pick, and $3 million in cash. Should I read the three-team trade? As it said, 2011, it was February 22nd. It was a three-team trade between the Nuggets, the Raptors, or the Nuggets, the Knicks, and the Timberwolves. We ended up getting Costa Cooper's as a result of this deal because we had to clear some space up. Let, let, me, let me read, let trade, me read this space. because you're going to be like, whoa. Because the first name that I saw here, you're going to be like, whoa. So the Nuggets with Ronaldo Bachman, Chauncey Billups, Anthony Carter, Sheldon Williams, and a 2016 first-round draft pick. Jacob, I think that's Jacob Pertle, if I'm not mistaken, who plays for uh, the Spurs and and um, Pop. Now, he's been a pretty good player. I think he was in Toronto at the time. That was that was what the... I think that's what the Nuggets gave up, right? Did they have, they had Chauncey beforehand, if I'm not mistaken? Correct. Yep, we did give up Chauncey Billups in that trade. So, why is this glitching, man? I'm just trying to get the transaction up. Here we go. Here we go. So, Yakta Pirtle to the Knicks. So that's who the Knicks got from the Nuggets. The Nuggets traded a 2015 second round draft pick, Rashawn Holmes, who is still a average league average player yep. to the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves traded Costa Cufas to Denver, who had a solid career in Denver. They also traded Corey Brewer to the Knicks, who ended up in Denver and, later. And Corey Brewer is a is a solid NBA player still. I believe he plays for the um, Trailblazers. He's not in the league anymore. Yeah, was. He just got teed up like the other week. Look that up while I'm reading the rest of this. The, the New York Knicks traded Wilson Chandler, Wilson... Raymond Felton, Danilo Gallinari, who was one of the Nuggets' best players of all time, arguably, and Timothy Mozgov, include some cash, and a 2012 second-round draft pick, which is Quincy Miller, who really didn't pan out in the NBA for the Nuggets. A 2013 second-round draft pick, Rom- Romero Osby, never heard of him, who's selected. And a 2014 first-round draft pick, Dario Saric, was later selected. And a 2016 first-round draft pick, Jamal Murray was later selected to huh. the Denver Nuggets. The Knicks traded Eddie Curry, Anthony Randolph, and Cash to the Timberwolves. The Nuggets acquired rights to swap 2016 first-round draft picks with the Knicks. So it was the seventh overall pick in 2016 of the Knicks that ended up going to the Nuggets. And the Carmelo Anthony trade ended up giving them Jamal Murray, who is a max contract le- level player right now. Huh, I guess that Carmelo Anthony trade led to the combination of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. It led to the playoff run. It led to all this stuff. And it was a very, like... Who made that trade? Was it Tim Connolly? I, no, that was Masai Ujiri. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. And then he ended up leaving town after that. Would you say... I mean, we've had two GMs. Who has been the better GM in Denver? Uh, Masai Ujiri or... 
I, honestly, I guess I'd have to say Tim Connolly. Here's the other flip side. The 2015 trade of Troy Tulowitzki came with Latroy Hawkins and Troy Tulowitzki from the Rockies for Miguel Castro, Jeff Hoffman, Jose Reyes, and Jesus Tinoco. So Jesus Tinoco and Jeff Hoffman have been struggling to stay on the Major League roster. We know that. Jose Reyes ended up leaving the Rockies after domestic violence. Um, so he basically hasn't been really heard of since. Um, and then who's the other name? Uh, Miguel Castro, Jeff Hoffman, Mi- Jose Reyes. Yeah, I know. Jose Reyes was the one that ended up leaving after domestic violence. Um Castro is the guy that he pitched for. He 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 pitched 20 innings of Major League Baseball for the Rockies, and then we shipped him off to Baltimore for basically nothing. So why was that even an argument? That trade, the two trades, Carmelo I guess, Anthony I was. I didn't break down. I guess I didn't realize what all that Carmelo Anthony trade had really led to. Well, that kind of also displays the magnitude of trades within the NBA versus the MLB, where you can't really just flip flop. Like that, and I think the the use of draft picks has a lot to do with that too. Because yeah, Jamal Murray sense. wasn't a player on the the Knicks. I mean, he was probably 13, 14 years old when that trade went down. Yeah, so that is true. Get, get your stretches in, man. Let's talk. Let's talk some uh, Drew Lock and company. Yeah, we're gonna talk about is Drew Lock the answer? Was the play calling too conservative? I think we both know that. Um, Brand, did Brandon McManus show up Vic Fangio and what's going on between Fangio and Scandrella? Let me get this off here and I probably should save this for the right time. There's been three quarterbacks this year in Denver that have played and not a single one of them has looked comfortable and this offense has struggled the entire time. Really? So is it the quarterback that's the issue or is it the offensive coordinator? Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that Drew Locke looked uncomfortable this weekend. I wouldn't say he looked comfortable, but I wouldn't say he looked uncomfortable. He looked. They when, scored 27 points the first well, time. They scored 23 points. 23 points. They haven't broken 24. Okay. You, you consider that a good offense? I'll consider it a good offense for the first quarter when, when Drew Locke was in charge of this offense. When he when he was able to drop back, he's taken three or four step dropbacks and able to fire the ball into, into coverage. So, and able to make good passes. But the point stands there. When Drew Locke can be Drew Locke, he's good. But when the offensive coordinator is running the offense? Yeah, exactly. But that, that's what you should want. You should want your quarterback to take control of the offense. And, and it's his first game in. You know, your, your, your teams, Drew Locke and this Broncos team were not running this entire playbook. They were running maybe half of this playbook this week against the Chargers. You're only running half the playbook. So it's not like you have a whole, a whole variety of plays to really work with. You're just running what Drew Locke knows in his first game ever. His first NFL drop back. His first game back since the preseason. You know, it's his first first live NFL regular season drop back. You know, the Broncos still beat the Chargers 23-20. to We're no longer in last place in the AFC West. I think it's eight, eight of the Chargers' 12 games so far this year have been decided by three points. It honestly sounds a lot like the Broncos. They're yeah. actually, I mean, they're both four and eight, and they both have the same same amount of games decided by three points. And well, two of our two of our wins have come against well, the Broncos. Two of our four wins, or have come against the Chargers. Excuse. I, I think I think the point to make here is the plus minus. If you look at the plus minus, 
The Chargers are plus three on the year. The Broncos are negative 16, if I'm not mistaken. The Raiders are negative, like, 69. Ugh. And they're the second best team in this division. They're six and six. So that really tells you a plus minus as a stat. Well, the Broncos are inching their way closer to becoming an 8-8 eight and eight football team. They sure as hell could do it this year. I, if Drew Locke has, is magical, then we might go 8-8. Eight and eight. We might go 7-9. But I'm not, I'm not putting bets or anything because I don't believe it. They I don't necessarily believe it. They yet. haven't statistically been eliminated yet. Um, overall, so Brandon McManus hit that walk-off field goal. We know that. Um, game plan was solid, but I, I just... I think it was the execution of the game plan is what really costed the Broncos points at the end of the game. Um, you know, you got two flip plays on third downs that got stopped um, throughout the game. Uh, plays were drawn up good, I thought. You know, I thought I thought the the, run, the running plays on third down was like third down one and third down two. Um, and then, and then you, you see a couple missed blocks, and Philip Lindsay just couldn't make a guy miss. And, and it's the execution of those plays that ended up costing the Broncos points in the long run, I think. It was just the execution. Because overall, I think the, the game plan was solid. The offensive line played the best game all season. No sacks. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I don't believe the Chargers were even um, tally for a hit on Drew Locke. If the Broncos win out and Kansas City loses out, the Broncos would win the AFC West. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't believe that's going to happen at all. It definitely could. I don't want it to happen. Why? Because at the end of the day, I still want the Broncos to have a, a decent draft pick in the first round so we can get a cornerback. I feel like that ship has sailed now. You have the Cardinals, the Lions, the Giants, the Falcons, the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Chargers, the Jaguars, all worse than the Broncos. There's a lot of time left in this regular season. We got four games left to tank. And if you could end up with a top 10 pick, I'd be happy. If the Broncos lost every single game the rest of the year, they still probably wouldn't be top five in the draft order. Oh, I don't care about top five. I'm just asking top ten. I mean, this is a pretty top five is hard to ask. This is a really with four wins. I mean, this is a really deep draft. Trevor Lawrence is he eligible yet, or is that one year away? I think he's one year away still. Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa. I'm sure he'll probably go back for another year now that he's injured. You think so? I mm, mean, I don't think he so. Could I don't think so. I don't think he goes back. Chase Young, that's a name that'll go top two. And but overall, does it does it make a difference if if you're five or ten? Like, because we're, we're not going to be a top five pick, top five pick. We already know that. If anything, what John Elway likes to do is he's probably going to trade back in the draft, regardless of where we are. And I think we both know that. That's what he, he does. He does it every year. So I imagine if the Broncos end up with a with a 12 or 13th overall pick, he'll probably trade back to the 27th or 28th pick in the first round. In the first round, or, or he'll even trade completely out of the first round in general and go with like three second round picks. I, I, that's totally something John Elway would do. Do you think they're still in the market for a cornerback? Oh yeah, Chris Harris Jr. is gone at this at the end of the season. Chris Harris Jr. is about to get paid. Really? Oh yeah. Chris Harris Jr. is about to get paid. It seems, I mean, he hasn't been, I mean, he's been Chris Harris this year, but 
It's not. It's it's not as easy being a a great cornerback when you're on a, a losing football team. It's not easy. I mean, they still have Bryce Callahan, who's been on injured reserve. I mean, what kind of music do you got playing right now, man? We got some lo-fi hip hop radio. Oh man, do you not like that? Huh? I what What do you think it was? Just a little different. A little different. Yeah, they, we just gotta cool. I gotta cool you down. Um, You're a little hot right now. You think Drew Locke is the answer, and it's been four quarters of Drew. I'm Locke. not saying he's the answer. I I I had low expectations coming into this game. I had low expectations for Drew Locke coming into this game. I don't know what you had, but in, in essence, I mean, I you want to look at the specific numbers. I mean, you can compare him to Brandon Allen in his first game, two touchdowns and an interception. I think Brandon Allen is thrown for 200 yards. Drew Locke threw for 134. So realistically, if you want to just look at the numbers, if you're a box score kind of guy, you're, if you're looking at just the numbers, 134 yards, two TDs, one interception, completion percentage of 64%. Does that jump out of the box score at you? No, it doesn't. You know, and then you look at it, it was maybe just a couple good passes that he ends up getting 134. Otherwise, he's probably throwing for, you take away two or three passes and he's throwing for 100, 102, 90, 90 yards to 100 yards. You take away two or three of those passes. I'm just looking at the schedule. I mean, they still haven't scored over 25 points. Correct. And I've said that all season long, that 24 is the magic number. If you could score 24 points, this defense will hold them to under 23. I mean, they're only 3-2 and two when they've scored over 20. Yeah. But Drew Locke was good on third down. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd say he probably had at least a conversion percentage of 50%. On third down, we started out of the game four of four for five on third down percentage or third downs. It was great. Drew Locke was great on third down, I think, especially to start the game when he was in control of the offense, like we said. In the first quarter, when it was Drew Locke's offense, he was in control of this game and he was able to run this offense, he was able to run this show. Drew Locke was successful. The play calling in the second, third, and fourth quarter were very conservative, very conservative. Now, am I saying he's the answer? No. Like we both said, he's not the answer. I think we both know that. Like, you can't say he's the answer after one game of throwing for 134 yards at two TDs and an interception. You can't say he's the answer. What do you think? No, he's not the answer. Yet. He could be. He could be. But like you said, the, the expectations going in were so low, it's really hard to say that he didn't have a full week of practice. You're only running 50% of this playbook, max. He ran a college offense. He threw the ball to Cortland Sutton every chance he had. <laughs> you only have one option there. Exactly. I mean, your your tight end still can't catch a football. That is true. This is this is a young core, and they're building the right pieces. I mean, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. Drew Locke, like that's a pretty strong offense in two years. To say the least, it was it was I don't want to call it a good first game, but I'll call it an encouraging first game. It wasn't a good first game. Because because the second, third, and fourth quarter were, were slow and it wasn't his offense. But the first quarter gave me hope. It 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 just seems like with this team, it's every other week with them, right? We said the Vikings and Broncos game two weeks ago. Where they were up early and then they blew that lead. 
was encouraging. They played well and they got a better draft pick. And then they go drop three points in Buffalo, which, I mean, it was cold. It's Buffalo. Bill's yeah. Mafia. You get it. And then they go and drop another encouraging performance. So what are we going to see this next week? Well, now you got Houston next week. So I guess, uh, I don't know. You can't tell if Drew Lock is the answer. I, I believe you can't tell if Drew Lock is the answer until you give him five games. Give him the rest of the season. And even then, I'm not sure if you can really tell if he's the answer or not. But after five games, he's got if five games and he's still thrown for 130 yards, 150 yards, two TDs and interception, I think I'd be happy with that performance. Two TDs and interception. You're putting up 14 points. You've thrown a couple more field goals. You've thrown three or four field goals. Three or four drives that end in field goals. I would be happy with that. I that's 27, 28 points. You're looking at. I'd really like to go back in the tapes and see what we said before the year. Was Drew Lock going to play this year? And I'm pretty sure you said no. I don't want I him to play. I didn't want him to play. Is that what you said two weeks ago? I'm pretty sure two weeks ago I still said I didn't want him to play. Two weeks ago I said that there, it did him no good if he was going to struggle. And I still believe I'm correct by that. Because if, if you look at these next four games, five games, if he struggles, what good does it do? It ruins his confidence. We'll be calling him Paxton Lynch. Mm. Which I, I don't want to say anything with the, the name Lynch and um, Locke in the same sentence unless we're saying Drew Locke and John Lynch are standing next to each other in the Hall of Fame in 20 years. <laughs> That's the only time I want to hear Locke and Lynch in the same sentence because they're two totally different quarterbacks. I know it was an interesting scenario at halftime. Right before halftime, Brandon McManus had a 64-yard field goal attempt, or possibly could have, uh, but head coach Vic Fangio pulled him off the field at halftime. Instead, they threw a pass down the middle of the field that ended up Drew Locke, nothing. Not a real attempt to score. After the game, Vic Fangio was quoted saying, I didn't want to mess up his form. For Brandon McManus, that's what he said? That's what he said. Huh. And eventually, he came back and knocked two field goals in the second half that ended up winning the football game for him. That is true. It prevents, and another interesting point is, it was Iron Bowl week, and you saw highlights of Auburn returning that kick against Alabama time after time after time again this week. Yeah. You have to admit that was in the back of your head, because as soon as I heard 64-yard field goal, that's the first thing I thought of. You thought you thought of the Chargers possibly returning it for a touchdown at halftime? I mean... I mean, I guess so, but at the end of the day, I think Brandon McManus, I mean, the the NFL record, correct me if I'm wrong, the NFL record for longest field goal was 63 yards, and that was Matt Prater, yep. and he did that in Denver. Correct. Give Brandon McManus a shot. And which, I think Prater, the point. Prater hit that 64-yarder, and he still had at least, I bet, five or six yards left in that kick. Yeah. I'm confident. I, I, I guess I. it's hard to compare two – Two kickers when they're not side by side and they're not in the same area, they're not the same time. It's different conditions, but it was a great day. the the There was no wind in Denver on Sunday. the The weather was beautiful. Why not give him a shot? Sixty four yards. Why not give him a shot? Brandon McManus came out at the half and he actually kicked the sixty four yard field goal during halftime when he was warming up and made it with plenty of room to spare. So it was an interesting. It was interesting for that statement to come just because 
I mean, I get, I get, I get Fangio's point, right? Yeah. You, you don't want to be in the home run derby because you're going to swing for a home run every single time on the second half of the season and slump. Yeah. You don't want to. I mean, but vice versa. When McManus was asked the question, "How do you feel about the decision to watch your form?" He's like, "I'm a grown man. I I can handle my form." He's a professional kicker. At the end of the day, he gets paid to kick. That's what his job is. Go out there and kick the damn football. You know? And I, for, the, for the Broncos to basically say, okay, we're, in, instead of letting you at least try a 64-yard field goal, even though we, we think you can make it, we're, we're instead just going to make a pass over the middle of the field and just hope, maybe hope we can get some sort of yards and maybe sneak, sneak into the touchdown on a 64-yard touchdown pass? No. And, and I have no problem with McManus's reaction after getting pulled off the field. I, I get that it, I'm not Vic Fangio, and I don't think yeah. it's not me that he's showing up, essentially. But I have I think he's he's a competitor. That, that's what he does. So nothing wrong with that. Um, but tell me about Rich Scandor, this situation about Vic Fangio showing up. I haven't heard about this. So a- after the game, Vic Fangio was doing his post-game press conference, whatever, uh, he was asked about the last play of the game, which ended up being that uh, pass down the right side of the field to Cortland Sutton. They called pass interference and, and whatnot. So originally, um, they go into the huddle and or go into the timeout, and and uh, Vic Fangio is saying, um, or, or Rick Scandrello is basically saying, "Okay, let's knee it. Let's just go into overtime. Let, let's not play any cards. Let's let's just play for overtime, essentially, right?" Let's let's play. We may not even get the ball in overtime, but let's play for overtime. You know why risk it? And I think Drew Locke um, was like, no. He, Drew Locke kind of gave him the, the head nod of, I want to throw the ball here. I want to do something. Vic Fangio was the one that had the idea of he. Vic Fangio wanted to throw the ball down the middle of the field, try to get some yards, and then just call a quick timeout, and then play for one more play. I guess that's what Vic Fangio wanted to do. And then it was when Drew Locke was just like, no, let's go down. The, let's go down the side of the field. Let's go. Corlin Sutton go on a go route. I'm going to throw the ball down there and let's just see what happens. And Vic Fangio was like, okay, let's do that. And Rick Scandrello was like, no, 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 no. That's, we're not going to do that. But Vic Fangio, being, being the head coach he is, was like, I call the shots. I do what I want here. This is my team. I'm the man. I'm the captain now. And he says, let's, let's go with Drew Locke and let's throw, throw the ball down the side and let's just see what happens. And so in the post-game press conference, he's, uh, Vic Fangio's asked about it. And he he sa- he says basically that same story, but he doesn't refer to Rich Scandrello as Rich. He doesn't refer to him as Scandrello. Doesn't refer to him as anything else. He refers to him as the offensive coach, not even the offensive coordinator. He refers to him as quote the offensive coach, end quote. It reminded me of Josh McDaniels referring to Jay Cutler as the quarterback, Bill Parcells referring to Trell Owens as the player. Do you remember that? Oh well, I guess. You weren't alive. I don't think you would have been alive for that. Were you? I might have been like one or two. So you remember it? I remember it. Word. I'm a big sports guy. Cap. Do you remember Josh McDaniels calling Jay Cutler the quarterback? I remember that one. I don't remember that. I do remember that one. I remember Hoodie McDaniels, but I don't remember the quarterback. And the same point goes here. I, I don't think this is a big deal. I mean, this is the head coach being the head coach. I don't want my head coach being like, ah, you, you're the offensive coordinator. Go ahead, make the decision. That, that makes no sense. He, he calls the shots. I don't care if you're the position coach. Okay. 
but for Vic Fangio to be a defensive minded coach, which we all know he's, he's a defensive minded coach. Def- for him to go to his te- special teams mindset, I don't care. It's for, your team. For him to go to the offensive coach and say, "What do you think?" What what for him to say, "Hey, Rich, what is your opinion here on this play? What do you think we should run?" And Rich says, "Hey, let's take a knee. Let's play for overtime." And he's like, "You know what? No." No, we're going to throw the ball down the middle of the field. And then and then for the rookie quarterback to come in here and say, okay, actually, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw the ball down the side, and we're just going to hope for the best. We're just going to see what happens. Two other points to make. I mean, I, I don't think it has to do with offense versus defense. I think this has to do with aggressive versus conservative. conservative. And Vic Fangio has been clearly the aggressive coach this year. So that's not the problem. I disagree. They've been so conservative this year. Not necessarily oh, were you, Vic, unless you were being sarcastic. No, not necessarily Vic Fangio. Just in general, I think the offense has been. The offense has, has been, been conservative. But their decision making necessarily, I mean, going for two very oftentimes. If you look at their games, and if you look at their post game and their pregame, Vic Fangio has said time after time he's going to be an aggressive coach. He's going to play the aggressive way. He's going for two. He's trying to win football games. He's not trying to tie can, football games. I can say the same thing. I can say the same thing when I coach. Yeah, uh, we want to be aggressive. We want to get shots up. We want to take shots down the field. We want to take, we want to do all this this X Y and Z. But at the end of the day, when Joe Flacco was the quarterback, Joe Flacco was the one that said this offense was too conservative. This Joe Flacco was the quarterback, the veteran quarterback who's seen many offenses, many years, and he said this team's afraid to win football games at the end. But but here's the point. Is Vic Fangio because this is the first time we've he- heard of this where he's overruled um the offensive coach. He's I would overrode Scandrello. I would. He sucks. He's conservative. I, I'm just saying, just because their decision making's on offense and the uh, the the quarterback I keep using these things. It's third just, and eleven, but let's run the ball up the middle. That's what Rich says. It's third third and twelve, it's third and long. Let's run the ball up the middle. I, I just I just don't think you can call Vic Fangio a conservative coach if the offense is playing conservatively. Just be, and and you can't say that his actions don't match his words when he's done these moves where he's said no we're not taking any yes we're going for two here just look at the almost the entire third quarter and i think that just shows just how conservative this offense was look at the second quarter third quarter and fourth quarter when this offense was under drew lock and drew lock is calling the shots and he's being aggressive we're, we're making we're go, we go four for five on third down conversions that's what i'll say being aggressive you know we're throwing the ball on third and short we're we're hitting those tight out routes you know we're we're making good plays on third down. All of a sudden comes the second third quarter when we're up 14, up 17 points, and it's second and long. Let's run the ball up the middle. The third la- and long. Let's throw a screen pass. Like just you're not aggressive. Third third and five, and we're gonna run the ball up the middle. Like the- youth football teams could do that. Youth football teams are smarter than that. The last point I'll make here. It was an interesting point that I think Drew Locke made after the game. It could have been Cortland Sutton. But talking about how that first touchdown, how Cortland Sutton changed his own route. And, again, that shows you what they think of the offensive game plan from their offensive coach. But was it – I thought it was Drew Locke that changed Cortland Sutton's route, I think. Regardless. Drew Drew Locke told him, just run run straight and I'm throwing the ball to you. That's what he said. And he said, bet. He said, bet. That's his exact word. But, but that tells you the confidence they have in the offensive coordinator. They have no confidence in Rich Gangarella. Because he's not aggressive. Because he's so conservative. Again, like I've said, I felt like I've said it 20 times in this podcast today. It's, let's run the ball up the middle on third and long. Your mic okay? 
Yeah, I just keep hitting it with my head. Yeah. It's just, let's run the ball up the middle. You know, let's run the ball. Let's run the ball. Let's run the ball. Like, I get you got to set up the play action. I get that. But at the end of the day, you got to you gotta let the quarterback air it out. You got to let him air it out. Let it fly. Drew Locke's dad, or his parents were at the at the game, obviously, and I th- they interviewed his parents, and, and uh, his dad said something like, just let him, let him throw the ball. Let him air it out once. And then, boom, ends up throwing a touchdown. Pass to um, Cortland Sutton. What you like to hear, man. It's what you like to hear. So overall, Drew Locke, what are your impressions? I mean, it was he met my expectations. Yeah, they were low. He won a football game, and that's sap one. Then go win another one. Go one and zero. He's got to he's got to go win against Deshaun Watson, who just defeated the Patriots. And so that team's going to be riding high. They're going to be on fire. They're fighting for a division title. They're going to be. Coming in hot, and I wouldn't be surprised if they lay another three points out there, even yeah. without J.J. Watt in that defense. That is true. You know, and, and my takeaways from Drew Locke, you know, am I blown away? No. Not blown away whatsoever. But am I saying he's the, he's the answer? I'm not saying that he's not the answer. So what are you saying? You're just saying I don't know. I'm, it's too early to tell. Like I said, <laughs> you got to give him five games. You the guy, the guy throws for two touchdowns and an interception and throws for – 64 completion percentage. You know, what more necessarily can you ask for from a guy that's his first start in the NFL, a guy who missed a lot of developmental time, missed a lot of time over the summer, missed a lot of time in the regular season, missed a lot of time this week because the, the coaching staff didn't know what the hell they were doing this week. You heard it here first. Isaac McGarren thinks Drew Locke is a lock for the Hall of Fame. That's what I learned Tw- today. In, in 20 years, you better. The only time I want to hear something about Lynch. Years? The only time I want to hear something about Lynch and Locke in the same sentence, like I said, is when I'm hearing John Lynch is standing next to Pe- Drew Locke in the Hall of Fame or the Ring of Fame. Or why didn't the Broncos draft a wide receiver with Paxton Lynch's draft pick when they knew they had their franchise quarterback and Drew Locke coming in the second round <laughs> 10 years later? <laughs> I wish we would have known that. I wish we would have known that. Who knows? Um, Maybe he'll go out there and throw three picks next week. It's very possible, and then they'll be at square one, and then... Exactly. And and something I said last week um, over Thanksgiving break, or at least when they announced um, that Drew Locke was going to be the starter, I said, you know, they're giving him five games for the rest of the season. You're giving Drew Locke five games. They're giving Drew Locke enough time to hang himself. The worst thing that could happen is he's mediocre the last the rest of the year if he's really good you know you don't have to draft a quarterback if he's really bad you know you have to draft a quarterback but if he's okay like he was this but, last week but again it depends on your spot in the draft it didn't last year no it did in in essence i mean if there if in the first round when when you got all these guys that are on the board and instead you opted to, to draft a tight end you know that didn't that didn't change their draft plans. But maybe it may not necessarily been a change in draft plans because they knew that they could get Drew Locke at the forty second pick. They knew they could wait until the second round to draft that guy because of the question marks about his feet and all that different things. So yes, there was a plan to draft a quarterback. You can't tell me last year they went into that draft not thinking I need to get a quarterback to back up Joe Flacco. That should have been their game plan, and it was. So I'm just saying he can't be mediocre because if he's mediocre, they're going to be like, what do we do? Okay, so let me ask you this. If he, if he throws, for the next f- four games, if he throws 130 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, is that mediocre? Each game or all together? 
each game. Like, he comes out, he throws two touchdowns and an interception. I'm just saying, if he performs like he did against the Chargers, it's mediocre. Really? Yeah, I haven't scored 25 points. When are you going to win more than eight football games in the NFL scoring less than 24 points in all 12 of your games? He's scoring 14 on his own. If you can get three field goals, three other drives, you're looking at five successful drives out of 15, 16, 17 drives that you have. You're looking in two to end in a touchdown and three of them to end in field goals. And if Brandon McManus can hit a 64-yard field goal in Denver, then really you got to get, what, 20 yards? 30 yards? you got to get two or three first downs. He was mediocre this week, and I have a feeling he's going to be – Mediocre against the Texans, and the gosh, the, I disagree. I th- I think it's going to continue gosh. to be a loop of quarterbacks, and he's not. I mean, it, you can't say that one game is going to determine this kid's career, but he just seems so mediocre. The one thing you can say about him was that he was taking shots. He was the aggressive quarterback. He was what you want in a quarterback but his performance said mediocre and that may Gosh. be because of his tight end it may be because of his offensive coordinator i i think that they have to go another route with offensive coordinator this offseason that's a no-brainer i just di- i disagree I, is it a no-brainer i disagree they just hired this guy and he's gone if he if, if he's being too conservative with drew Locke and 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 Cortland sutton then he's gone it's that simple but i don't think it's a mediocre performance would you rather have have what Joe Flacco was doing, or not even throw a touchdown pass? Joe Flacco had three games of 23 points. They haven't scored over and, 25 points. And Drew points. Locke was able to do that with two touchdowns and an interception. If my quarterback's going out there every game throwing for two touchdowns and an interception, I'll take that. I'll live with that. But Maybe pro- not the whole 134 yards, but I'll take two touchdowns, interception, and a 60-plus percentage in completion. Brandon Allen just did the same thing. Totally different, though, I think. Because Drew Locke's controlling the game. For for one quarter, for that first quarter, Drew Locke was in control of this offense. Was Brand- Can you say the same thing about Brandon Allen? I feel like Brandon if, Allen if, was in charge of that offense in the first half of that Vikings game. If, if Drew Locke is in charge of this offense for a full three or four, I'll even say three quarters, not even four quarters, then he puts up three or four touchdowns. Give him three quarters. Give him four. Give him a whole game just to run the offense. I'm not necessarily saying it has to be against Houston this week. You could do it against somebody like like Oakland or Kansas City. I don't care. Just at some point over these next four or five games, you you have to give Drew Locke the keys to the car. The one thing that I keep hearing in sports keeps becoming up more and more is teams taking their foot off the gas pedal once they get a lead. We've seen it in Denver multiple times. I mean, you saw every game this year. The Nuggets, the Broncos, even the Avs at some point. So when they're gonna have to find pieces that don't do that, the problem with this offensive coordinator situation is I don't think John Elway, Vic Fangio, this entire franchise is okay with saying we made a mistake with our offensive coordinator and making another change at OC. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. It after d- one year? You after think, you, you one don't think year. Maybe. But if it's not working out, if Vic Fangio is like, hey, this isn't working out, just straight up, this is not working. This relationship is not working out. But You don't think that they just cut ties with him right then and there? When you say the same thing for Vance Joseph after his first year, it wasn't really working out. They were mediocre. That's different. He's the head coach. Saying, that would make it saying, harder. No, exactly. So saying you're saying you made a mistake as, a, as hiring the wrong head coach after just one year, that's totally different. 
because he hasn't had a time to implement his office. He hasn't had a time to draft a full a full draft class. You know? But it's different for an offensive coordinator. You can replace an offensive coordinator in a year. You can say, "Hey buddy, this just isn't working out. You're you're not aggressive. You're con- you are very conservative. You came from San Francisco, a Jimmy Garoppolo offense, which was really good, but you just don't fit in here." Sorry, Rich, you just don't fit in here. And you can just cut him loose. But with a head coach like Vance Joseph, you got to say, hey, okay, we're going to give you a full draft class. We're going to give you the opportunity to implement your system here in Denver. But you can't say that to an offensive coordinator. You give him his time here. You give him his year. And if it's not successful, then you let him go. It's a dog-eat-dog world. That's the Denver Broncos for December 3rd. That's the episode for episode 46. What did we learn today, Will? Lock is a lock for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I learned that Lock and Lynch better not be in the same sentence unless you're talking about Paxton Lynch, or unless you're talking about John Lynch and, and Drew Lock being in the Hall of Fame standing next to each other in 20 years. Thank you, Met Radio, for hosting us. As always, Met Radio is the student station of MSU Denver. Uh, Met, Met Radio is a small part of Met Media. Met Media is a, a part of uh, TV magazine newspaper and radio you can find us on apple podcast spotify and soundcloud email us game 7 show at gmail.com with your questions email us with your um, top moments of the decade you got you got a couple weeks to get them in so you better pile them up top moments of the decade worst moments of the decade your thoughts on the decade in sports even if it's not in sports if you just want to talk about kanye west his impact on media culture over the decade we want to hear it we want to talk about it on game seven so let us know. We we want to hear from you. Um, whether it's a text, a call, a video, um, we can always use your sound bites on the show as well. So we want to hear from you for sure from this because we have some great memories, but I'm sure that the, that's the great thing about this decade is there's so many different memories that go with it. Yep. So a year, yeah, we have our memories of the year. Who cares about what other people say? But, but it's a decade, man. But it's a decade. There's it's so a decade. Many, I mean, if you look... Like, I was looking at specifically the 2010s, and if you look at that year, pretty much everybody says that the top moment of the 2010s was Landon Donovan's goal for the men's national team. That was cool. I mean, you still have... There's plenty of stuff on that list, but... The women's team going back-to-back World Cups? Back-to-back-to-back? I mean, another important point, so... Um, You can find us... You can find the Game 7 Podcast on Facebook at Game 7 Show. You can find us on YouTube, Game 7 Show. You can follow us on Twitter at underscore Game 7. You can follow Will at Will underscore Sattler. And you can follow myself at Isaac underscore Bugarin. And as always, I want to close out episode 46 of the Game 7 Podcast and remind you that if you're looking for a pet, go to the shelter first. We will see you next week.